Welcome to the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Introduce yourself. I'm Nick Musto, everyone. It's good to be back. Yep. Uh, we are glad to be here. We are less than six weeks away from week one at this point. We're going to talk about draft strategies, common misconceptions when drafting, because, hey, you're on the clock very soon. Um, I know I begin drafting for a couple of my home leagues in three and a half weeks. So preseason starts in a week and a half, uh, nine days, I think mm-hmm. exactly from when this releases. Um, so we got to get you geared up. And today we're going to talk about the issues and common mistakes. Start us off, Nick. Okay. So um, let's start with deep leagues. Um, drafting in the deep leagues can be very difficult. Uh, you could be really high on a guy who's like, how much different is it from shallow leagues, eight, 10, even 12 team leagues? It's very different. So if you're the six pick in a 12 team league, you're 12 picks away from it coming back to you. But if it's a 16 team league and you're the six pick, you're 20 picks away from it coming back to you in certain situations. So it's really important to recognize guys that you want, because if you're, if you're up and, um, and the shoot, sorry. <laughs> Let's just start. Let start. Let's start over. Yeah, I got distracted there. Talk louder a little bit. All right. Um, I'll start in three seconds. Welcome in. This is the Wagner Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you here. Today we're going to, you know, we're six weeks away from week one couple a week and a half away from preseason game one i can't wait honestly i'm gonna kick off my shoes and watch that game now i don't i don't weigh too much into preseason until do you do you watch any preseason games i'll watch week three if i'm like really bored and there's a game on i might throw it on just to like have background noise i can read reports and news plenty of other people are watching it um you it's know, cool to see the rookie quarterbacks. It is, and eye test is important yeah. with like especially running back depth. Last year we had like Ramondre Stevenson ball out mm. in preseason, who commanded and um, like telltale signs like Jamar Chase not being able to catch a ball. Like, yeah, it, that really showed us what would happen in the season. Too, yeah, no, so. uh, the important thing with preseason is who gets injured, yeah. um, who survives, and who just kills it, mm. and. In between those lines, I'm not very concerned considering that most of these guys playing are going to be relegated to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. But we're three weeks away from draft season, three and a half, four weeks away from your fantasy draft. Today, we're going to talk about common mistakes in draft strategies. Um, we're going to go through where draft strategy varies, you know, depending on your, your league settings and whatnot. So we're hoping to cover all nine yards. Nick, does the depth of your league, does how many teams in the league matter and how you draft? Definitely. Um, First off, you have to look at what the format of your league is. If it's three wide receiver and you're in a deep league, then you definitely need to pay more attention to the receiver position and handle that sooner rather than later because of how how, how much value receivers will end up carrying in such a big league with so many teams and so many receivers being used. Well, yeah, so um, bigger... In general, bigger uh, starting lineup. So more pieces in the starting lineup obviously yeah. thins out the pool of players. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about 
how many teams in your league. If you're yes, in a 14 so, team league or a 10 team league, you draft differently. Yes, you definitely draft differently because if it's a traditional snake draft, most likely it's going to come back to you and a guy that you really wanted may have gone, but you thought, wait, how did he not make it back to me? Because he was still like five receivers down the board. Well, that's because so many teams are picking in between you and your next pick. The difference between like a 10 or 12 team league and a 16 team league is there's eight more picks yeah. in between your, your consecutive picks. Exactly. Um, so I guess like we're in a grants that you should kind of throw ADP out the window when you're drafting in a 14 or 16 team league. Why is that? Um, because there may, so if you really have your heart set on Brandon cooks, but he's the six wide receiver on the board, you want to reach for him because you're not going to get him when it comes back to you. So you don't want to leave a draft being disappointed, especially when you had your heart set on a guy. And if you have your heart set on a guy, take him, you trust him. So yeah, throw ADP out the board, as Colin said, and reach for your guys. Don't be afraid to reach. You gotta, you gotta go out and get your guys. You can't be loitering around. Um, value plays are pretty much thrown out the window in deeper leagues, just because if, if that's not the guy you want at that position, say Kyler Murray's going, you're on the clock. Kyler Murray has slid down seven more picks than where he was projected to go and say pick 53 overall, your Mm -hmm. pick 60. He's at your, on your plate. Um, you don't, you know, in a shorter league, I feel the necessity to get Kyler Murray because oh, I can get stock up on the I can get an alternative somewhere in the position that I prefer to draft. Say I want a running back at that spot. I draft in less than 10 picks away. Well, here it's gonna be 18 picks mm-hmm. until I draft next. So if you're dead set on getting a running back in round five and say Kyler Murray's sliding down the board, forget Kyler Murray's value that you're getting at the place you have to get your guys yeah i think that's a good way to put it is yeah just go after the people that you are high on to start the season when you're drafting so i play full ppr i know you play full ppr a lot of people play half ppr does that affect how you draft receivers does that affect how you compare receivers and does that affect how you value receivers compared to running backs? Um, So if I'm playing, I typically play full PPR. So receivers tend to have a little bit more value than most running backs, unless you're like a Christian McCaffrey or an Austin Eckler, then you're like cream of the crop running back. By value, you mean they score more points? Yes, more points. Sorry, I should say that. Yes, they'll score more points because they get the rushing upside and they also catch a ton of passes. Doesn't necessarily mean they're more valuable, um, but I see what you're saying. So when you move to half PPR, um, the receiver loses a little bit of that boom potential because 10, 10, 10 catches is no longer 10 points. It's five points. So it's something that I would definitely take into consideration. I don't play half PPR because of this. I, I really like um, getting a point for every catch that a guy gets. I think it's a fun way to add more scoring to the game. I think that's what something, something that fantasy football needs is just more scoring in general. Hell yeah. Points are fun. Yes. Points, points make the game fun. That's, that's how you play. I so, feel like me, um, it definitely affects how I value receivers compared mm-hmm. to each other. Like if I'm sitting debating between Keenan Allen and say T Higgins, Keenan Allen is yeah. a guy mm-hmm. that relies on nine yard catches, 10 yeah. yard catches, uh, T Higgins averaged nearly 15 yards per catch. It definitely impacts how I value receivers compared to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you. Definitely like a Mike Williams, Brandon cooks comparison. I in half PPR, I think I'm taking uh, Mike Williams, whereas in 
full PPR, I'm going to take Brandon Cooks just because more catches mean more points. Now, does that affect, let's say you're on the clock and it's Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, or Najee Harris? If it was full PPR, what would your answer be versus half PPR? Does that does that change? So yeah, it would change. So full PPR, I'm taking either Cup or Justin Jefferson, just because they are going to see tons and tons of volume. They're going to catch tons of passes, which means tons of points. Najee, a good receiving back, did lead the league in receptions for running back last year, tied for first. But um, I I would stray away from him in a full PPR league because I want those points, but half PPR, I'm going to take the running back because a there's less running backs. So they're important to stockpile on early, no matter what your league is for most, in most cases, I should say, but his value will be higher in my opinion than cup or Justin Jefferson, just because the point, the point per reception is now cut in half. So, mm-hmm. Um so we've covered depth of league, you know, how many teams are in your league and why you need to sometimes reach on your guys in deeper leagues, because in a, in a smaller league, eight or 10 teams, um, you just you're picking so frequently that you need to get the best value at every every play. You can get a quality alternative the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, we've covered three wide receiver how it kind of boosts the position up as a whole, why you would want a strong starting receiver duo at the beginning of the draft. And then now we've covered PPR and half PPR and how you should gauge those receivers going close to each other. Mm. Let's go to quarterbacks um, because this is one that we see pretty often in, in all formats. Um, Well, I shouldn't say all formats, but in one quarterback leagues, this is a big pitfall for a lot of managers. What is that? They take a quarterback and a tight end too early. And we say if you take both before the sixth round, then you really messed up in your draft. Because Simply because the running back and wide receiver positions are so valuable in fantasy. That's the bulk of the points that your team is going to generate. Uh, you can't spend two high-end picks in the first six rounds on a quarterback and a tight end. Um, especially quarterback. I'm big in one QB leagues, just put it, putting it off to the side waiting because there's so little variance between a top six quarterback and a top 12 quarterback. It's like two points per game yeah. difference. If that um, tight end, on the other hand, you do see a lot of variance, but you still can't spend two picks on these two positions too early. A lot yeah. of twos in there. I, I agree. Um, it's especially in one quarterback leagues. I think that the tight end position would almost hold more value just because there are very little tight ends. And if you're going to be taking one early in your draft, um, it's easy to wait on a quarterback and grab Kirk cousins at the one sixteen. It's not, not too, um, you're not rushed to take a quarterback one. I feel like Josh Allen is the only quarterback this year that has such an ad, like a moat between him and the rest of the field. So he's the only one where you're getting a lot of edge in that point per game value compared to the rest of the quarterbacks. And he's just way too expensive in the second round. Um, I personally can't draft him at all. In, in, I can't draft a quarterback in the top four rounds. I'm either. not taking a quarterback before the sixth round. Um, it's Yeah, if you're taking him, you're missing out on a very important piece to your roster, like a running back quarterback. You're missing out on Debo or Aaron Jones. Um, so I, we're big fans of waiting to take quarterbacks later and then take your tight end around the 5-6. 
Um, if the, it's if it's not Travis, I just cut you off. Sorry, no, but sorry. if it's not Travis Kelsey in the first fifteen picks, or it's not Dalton Schultz in the fifth round, I don't want to tie down into uh, Mark man. Andrews. I can make a case for him. But I, your team, Andrews. I'm team Kelsey. We'll save that debate for later. Um, this rule obviously only applies to one QB because in Superflex the quarterback position is so valuable since you can start two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this, what are you doing at the tight end position in a super flex league? Um, at the tight end position for a super flex, I'm making sure that I have two, one stud quarterback in the first two rounds and then another very like a, maybe like a Kirk cousins or a Derek. I, mean, I need someone reliable and yeah, my flex as your second quarterback. So when it comes to the tight end in those leagues, I'm waiting till the very last two rounds to take two guys and just plug them into my lineup ma- based on matchup. I'm with you there in super flex. Um, I value the tight end position far less than the others, just because I can start multiple wide receivers, multiple running backs, multiple quarterbacks, tight ends. The only position where I'm really only going to start one, and if I'm only starting one, I'm okay with that position being the thinnest, uh, really going down mm. in the depths for getting my guy. Um, so why don't we talk about rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, this one well, I can on speak top. off personal experience. You can't put too much trust in them in any format. Last year, I got burned. It was my first year doing a 2QB league. I drafted Justin Fields, anticipating he was going to be a rock star rookie he flashed but ultimately he had a disappointing performance for me but I drafted Justin Fields starting rookie quarterback and I drafted his number one option Allen Robinson earlier in the draft so I truthfully doubled down on a rookie quarterback went all in put all my eggs in the same basket and it hurt me immensely yeah uh that was ballsy yeah I I did not have any shares of either last year even though I was high on fields um Think something so how do you how do you how do we look at Trey Lance are we do we look at him as a rookie this year because I know there's tons of talk about his stock rising and him he's got his ADP is going to rise as well and people are going to be taking him earlier as one of as expected to be a stud quarterback this he year. is not a rookie quarterback he is a second year quarterback he was drafted last year he played okay. in seven games last year he is not a rookie so he wouldn't fall into this category you wouldn't put too much trust into he's inexperienced he's not a rookie he's inexperienced and which is somewhat applicable you know i'm not going to have a lineup with debo samuel and trey lance in it that's not a stack that you're looking for no it is not there's other stacks in the uh, 49ers offense that i do like yes you could anything cheaper just because trey lance is not that cheap i mean he's going he's getting drafted at qb 13 right now I feel like that's near his ceiling for for this year. But um, back on track, rookie quarterbacks last year, we saw insane class get drafted. Mm-hmm. Six starting rookie quarterbacks at some point in the year. Davis Mills and Mac Jones were the best ones. They were yeah. the – Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback drafted. Davis Mills was like the 10th or something like that. You can't – even with their top – options brandon cooks was the highest finishing receiver for a rookie quarterback and he was what wide receiver 19 i think yeah he was the only top 20 guy is that true he's a he was the highest receiver with a rookie quarterback. yeah i mean oh, wow. trevor lawrence yeah, Zach no Wilson, man, no nobody there 
Um, Trey Lance, you can't yeah. make it. You that wasn't his offense last and year. The Patriots wide receivers, the Patriots, like nobodies. Exactly. Jacoby Myers was like wide receiver twenty six. In the first round, we should probably we should have probably started this show with this one right here. In the first round, you need to reduce your risk. You can't win your league in the first round, but you can certainly lose it. Yes. Who, um, who does that apply to? Obviously, that applies to CMC. Uh, he's the He's going to be the person on the headstone when we talk about injury risk in the first round. Um, two straight seasons where he's just absolutely let down his drafters, um, usually the 101, and played three games last year. Was it seven? But seven. Oh, it, it, it was seven. The year before it was three. Okay. So yeah. that's probably where your numbers okay. are getting mixed up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm I'm all for reducing risk early on. Your top three round picks are your cornerstones to your championship team. Mm -hmm. You need them healthy all year. You need them not performing volatility. Mm -hmm. They are your studs that are supposed to get you 16 plus points per game. Yeah. So it's important to like, to watch this. If you, if you are, if you do have enough chest hair to take CMC as the one Oh one to four, wherever you take them there. And then it comes back to you and, Saquon Barkley is the best player on the board. Do you take Saquon? Um, that's exposing yourself to tons of injury risk. Your your main two, your your top two picks, your most important players on you your team. You could literally yeah. be the worst team in the league. Yeah, you <laughs> could be the best you could. by far. Um, but. but yeah, it's when we talk about percentages and injury risk, they compound. They mm-hmm. don't just add. They compound what are the odds that CMC plays all 17 games? If you were to label it on a percentage, what are the odds, even 15 plus games? 15 games, I'll say 30%. I would have said 33. Like about a a third of a chance that CMC plays in 15 plus games. Over or under 15 and a half. 14 Uh, and a half, 14 and a half. See, like, I don't know because – Prior to these past two years, he played in all his games, which was yeah. only two years, but still, or maybe three at this point. Um, he doesn't but, stretch his hamstrings. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Also with reducing injury risk early on, like it's not just injury risk. It's volatility as well. You, if you draft a high-end running back, say – Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. or someone like that, someone that exposes himself to a lot of risk. Um, you not only have to worry about his injury risk, but you have to worry about what type of player he is. He's touchdown, rather touchdown dependent. He's not the best example for touchdown we'll dependency. Say, let's, how let's about James example? Okay, yeah, let's switch it to James Conner. James yeah. Conner, you cannot draft another touchdown dependent player. Um, you need someone to smooth those sales out a little mm-hmm. bit. I think it's more applicable to receivers. Like if we're going to talk about drafting who did uh, T Higgins and Keenan Allen. Um, so you, you want both of them on your team. You don't want T Higgins and Mike Williams as your receivers. Because... I like to do a Cortland Sutton and Mike Williams. Okay. This, Let's say that. So we're talking about blending volatility here in your receiving core. Um, you can't take up too many boom bust players yeah. is what you're getting at. You're going to get dud weeks and you're going to get massive weeks. Um, so it's really important to balance your receiving core. 
you want a guy like a Keenan Allen, like a Brandon Cooks, like a Deontay Johnson last season, who's going to see a ton of receptions. He's going to rack up, be reliable, get you 14 points every week. That's what you want as one of your receivers. And then your second receiver, either your one or two, most likely your two. Um, will be like a Mike Williams. He's going to have his down weeks where he catches four for 55, but then I'll have his massive weeks where he's eight for 167 and two, and those will win you weeks. So on wide receiver, you need to blend volume and efficiency together. Mm -hmm. You can't just have Keenan Allen, Hunter Renfro, Deontay Johnson, all these guys who make the majority of their points by getting 10 yard catches to 12 yard catches. Right. You need to take a little risk on with big play players such as Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, T, T Jamar's a bigger name, more uh, prototype mm-hmm. wide receiver at this position. But now I can now that we've gone through that, I can relate it back to running backs. Yeah. You need running backs that have a safe receiving floor and maybe some that are just bell cow on the ground. Yeah. If you draft Nick Chubb, you can't take another just sole bell cow like Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, Likewise, you can't take James Conner and Damian Harris because they get their points from finding the end zone. You need someone that has the volume, uh, the high amount of rushes and catches. You know he's going to get 18 to 20 carries game. You know, those those are important to have. You want one of those guys, and then you want your guy who's going to get you five, six catches a game. It just gives you a nice balance. Um, So in case one of them goes down, you'll have still a a running back who's going to have a safe floor. He's going to get you a a fair amount of points every game just based off his receptions or his high uh, carry volume. So we disagree on this next point here. I believe when crafting my running back core, I like concentrating my forces. I like taking the handcuffs to arguably my top two backs if they are handcuffable. If they're not, like some running backs, we saw Christian McCaffrey wasn't handcuffable last year. Um, They just don't fit that bill. Najee Harris is another one. But I like concentrating my forces. That way, if the starter goes down, I have peace at mind and I can fill in their backup. Last year, I had Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle. I had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The starters missed time and I had their backups and it made the decision making really easy for me. When Austin Eckler went out late in the season, I had Justin Jackson to put up 32.3 points. You don't really like doing that though, typically. No, it's not my go-to because there's plenty of backfields where there's just lack of a clear cut backup. So like, yeah, when you draft Dalvin Cook, if you don't leave that same draft with Alexander Madison, then you screwed up. Um, but there's too many bad. Like, what if what if you drafted Najee? Who do you draft as the backup? Is Benny it now Snell. Jeremy McNichols? He's the new signee. Yep. Um, let me think of another. Some guys one. just aren't handcuffable. I mean, Derrick exactly. Henry last year wasn't either. Deontay Foreman didn't provide much value or consistency. So something you could do instead is snipe people's handcuffs. Like, you know, there are a handful of very valuable handcuffs in your draft, like a Kareem Hunt, like an Alexander Madison, like a Tony Pollard. You take one of those guys and just hope their starter goes down. There you go. I like concentrating just because it makes my job as a manager easier. I can definitely see the incentive to stealing other handcuffs. It's just a question whether or not you want to spend a roster pick on either of them. 
Um, if be a thief, steal, steal someone's handcuffs. It, it feels really good because then when their guy goes down, they're like offering you their home for Tony. Pollard. See, I feel like it's a personally, it's a waste of a bench spot to have somebody else's handcuff. I'd rather have my own if I'm going to draft a handcuff, but I know plenty of other people disagree. I'm a bad person. So I like to ruin people's days by owning their handcuffs. And what do we do with tight ends in the late rounds? Um, so well, if say we, yeah, yeah. Say you took your quarterback early. Um, you took a round six Jalen hurts. That's your quarterback. Um, so you waited on tight end. You took our advice. You waited on tight end, but when do you draft a tight end is the question. Um, really you want to wait until like the last two to three rounds and don't just grab one, grab a guy like Irv Smith. You wait that late. Yeah. Irv Smith is going to be off. the Well, table. that's true. Yeah. It depends. On I would, him. I would, I like getting someone like round 10, like a know? Cole Komet, Cole Komet or okay. Irv Smith, even at that point. Um, but you should take a second one. Yeah. If, so you, if you're not getting a top 10 tight end, you definitely need to double down. Yeah. If you're waiting, um, you definitely want to grab just another tight end off the board right before the draft ends. Like, like a Kyle Rudolph, who's going to have four or five touchdowns this year, just because of the offense that he's in and the absence of Gronkowski. So you really want to just not rely on a very late tight end, like a Cole Komet, who's going to have bad weeks, who's going possibly going to get injured. You want to have a backup who is, fairly valuable not just a waiver it's like compounding interest there's a percentage chance that they become a top 10 tight end you multiply those odds uh Mm. if you take a shot on gerald everett and austin hooper you make your odds of having a top 10 tight end that much greater that's mathematics for you um something else we should talk about with draft strategies is avoiding too much of the same offense. I'm guilty of this last year. I drafted Dak Prescott and I traded for Ezekiel Elliott. I wasn't too concerned about it at you first. Also Dalton Schultz. I know I'm getting it. <laughs> so then my tight end Logan Thomas went down. Dalton Schultz was my waiver wire ad that ended up paying off very well. But when Dak had his down weeks, my whole team had a down week. Um, so if Dak was, if Dak only threw one touchdown, didn't go to Dalton Schultz, I was disappointed there. And Zeke in his own way was disappointing all season. So it's really important to just avoid too many eggs in the same basket. Same thing with doubling down on a rookie quarterback. Um, yeah. you, you can't overexpose yourself to any offense, any individual player. I feel like most fantasy managers know to avoid that, but we should re- reiterate that. Mm. Um, just likewise, you shouldn't have too much exposure to bad offenses. Uh, you, this will cause droughts as your guys are have, struggling to simply have massive weeks when their team's losing yeah. the whole time. Like when you took Allen Robinson and shoot, I don't know who's another – well, let's bad offense player. Let's just say you don't want your running backs to be DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery. Yeah. Because both are in dumpster fire offenses, less so Swift. Um, but they're gonna lose opportunities because their game script's negative. Yeah, there's a chance that Cam Akers, who we're both lower on, outscores both of them this year just because of the their, high powerful offense. Up. Yeah. Yep. Um, you have to have your hands dipped in quality offenses Mm -hmm. i like great i like running backs and great offenses just because their opportunities are much higher um they're closer to the goal line more often i don't really like counting on just bad offense 
dire need for a playmaker, they're the only playmaker. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's just game script falls into account when you're talking about running backs and bad offenses. Like if you're most likely the uh, Bears are going to be losing games, are they going to be handing it off to Dave Montgomery on first and second down in that situation? No. So he's you're just missing out on opportunity when you draft too many players in bad offenses. I'm not saying don't touch them, but make sure you don't have too many. Like blending volatility in your wide receiver core, yes. you have to blend the quality of the team that your players are on. You can't have, just like you can't have Portland Sutton and Mike Williams because they're too volatile, you can't have Brees Hall and Dave Montgomery mm -hmm. uh, as your two starting running backs because there's often going to be games where they're losing by 30 points. There's no point to even have them on the field, and they're certainly not going to hand it off to them because they're losing so badly. So you have to have a, a an appropriate mixture of players on great teams, mm -hmm. maybe players on terrible teams that have great opportunities ahead yeah. of them. So you know, let's end this on end our draft strategy segment on rookie wide receivers. Yep. So the thing with rookie wide receivers, they don't always hit um, or they take time to hit. So last year, for example, I drafted Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Both had a little bit of a slow start. Waddle much faster than Smith. Smith didn't really turn on until the end of the season. And he was just taking up a roster spot on my team because I just held out hope that this Heisman winner, elite draft capital guy was going to explode all of a sudden. And it back didn't really happen. Back-to-back 22-point -back weeks. But other than that, back the to, the, back to is, the rookies, uh, yeah. you can't trust them too much just because they have to assimilate into the league. Mm -hmm. They have to adjust to how defensive backs play them. They're no longer playing against Georgia Tech's starting corner. They're playing against the best cornerback from Georgia mm -hmm. Tech of all time, yeah. you know, when they get to the big leagues. So I agree you can't be too reliant on rookies at any position just because it takes time to adjust um, as with anything. It takes time to adjust to your promotion to manager from Salesforce. You yeah. know, let's do some pickums to end this. Okay. Um, you so, want to start it off? Yeah. So you're on the clock. Darnell Mooney or Hollywood Brown? Um, so if I'm looking for the volatility, I want Hollywood Brown. And honestly, in most cases, I'm going to take Hollywood just because the offense is better as we talked about. Um, I'm going to take Hollywood because he's going to have that connection with Kyler. Um, he's one of the best at receiving deep balls in the game, and Kyler is one of the best at throwing them. So I'm going to like that connection a lot, especially for the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, Hollywood, definitely. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to give you one. So you're looking for your wide receiver three, Brandon Cooks, Hollywood Brown, or Chris Godwin? Chris Godwin at this point, yeah. even if he only plays in 14 games, I believe he's going to finish higher than the rest. Yeah. He's, he's just a monster when he's on the field. He's Brady's go-to. He had 128 targets last year, over nine a game. I really like his volume and his efficiency when the ball's in his hands. I would do. I've never been a Godwin owner, but I really want to be at some he's, point. He's just great with the ball in his hands. Like He he doesn't go down very easily. I yeah. feel like he was Debo Samuel before Debo Samuel, and that's probably a bad comparison for listeners. But both are really tough after the catch. I, I like Chris Godwin a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'll do another wide receiver. Actually, no. Let's switch it over to running backs for this one. We'll alternate. Rashad Penny or Miles Sanders if you're drafting your third running back? 
I'm easily taking Rashad Penny. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I, I like Miles Sanders in the I, – I mean, I'm a Penn State guy, but especially with the offense that he's in, it's built for the run, and Miles Sanders is the number one running back on that team. However, last year, no touchdowns uh, on and off the field. That's a fluke. Disappointing. It was disappointing. Rashad Penny, however, last year when he had a chance to be the starter – I've said it too many times now, but he was on pace for over 2,000 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns. I know it's a terrible thing to base that off of four games, but it's what happened. And he was great. He had the highest um, yards per touch in the league. He was 10 out of 10 times on drafting Miles Sanders here. Really? Yes. Why is that? He's in a better offense, a way better offense, better team. He's the lead running back there. Zero touchdowns was a fluke last year. He has a career mark over five yards per carry. He's a great running back. It was just an obscure year for him. Boston Scott scored six times. Jalen Hurts scored 10 times. Definitely Miles Sanders. So I think Penny's the better running back. I think that he is clearly the number one right now. I don't think Kenneth Walker is that big of a concern. And I think that if he stays healthy, he's going to put up stupid numbers because they can't pass the ball. Big, big if, big if. But I can see where you're coming from. Okay, let's move on to uh, – all right, here's my next one. You have Derrick Henry and Debo Samuel. Do you want Mike Evans, despite the recent developments, Aaron Jones, or Keenan Allen? So you have a running back, you have a receiver, first two rounds. I want Aaron Jones. Okay. I feel like he's a top eight running back this year. Finished as RB11 last year, missing two games. He's probably going to be Green Bay's lead receiver. If not, he'll be the second lead receiver yeah. for Aaron Rodgers. To me, it's Aaron Jones just because I know I can find a lot more value at wide receiver late. It's a deeper position. Um, I feel like there's a big cutoff from Aaron Jones to, say, my next pick, which would be David Montgomery or someone along those lines. Mm -hmm. Well, you also have, like, Lenny going around there, too, like, floating in that area. But I'm saying if I pick if I pick a receiver here, those, oh, guys, yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys will be gone by yeah. my next pick. No, you're right. I feel like Aaron Jones is the right answer here for sure. Um, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, or Antonio Gibson, three running backs that you're not particularly high on at all, um, but someone held you at gunpoint and said you have to draft your RB2 here. Well, if it were only Antonio, they said you have to draft Antonio Gibson at a gunpoint, then I'm a dead man because I'm not touching Antonio Gibson ever. Um, in that situation, I'm a little worried about ETN because James Robinson will be back. The offense is not good. I'm going to take the guy, Cam Akers, in the best offense in football, debatably. I, I'm going to take him. I think he's going to have just tons of opportunity around the goal line. He's going to average about a touchdown a game. I like that's how it is with these uh, LA running backs. It seems like one scores a touchdown he's, every week. He's definitely the safest option yeah. out of three. I think a lot of upside too. If he can prove to me that he is better than his playoff performance last year. Right. Okay. So you're looking for your flex spot, Eli Mitchell, JK Dobbins, or Mike Williams. So it kind of depends on what my running back duo looks like. But in a vacuum, I'm taking Mike Williams. I believe he's going to outscore both of them substantially. I had Mike Will as wide receiver 11 this year. He finished as a 12 a year ago. Um, I feel like his splash plays in my flex, he's going to completely dominate some weeks and win me games alone. So are, so the, I'm referring to PPR league. So I think we're I'm pers- I like receivers in my flex and PPR. 
But what I really like in my flex is consistency, and that's what Mitchell and Dobbins would both offer. So are you a fan of the more volatile player in your flex, or do you want a guy who's going to get you? Again, if I have a really strong running back duo, like say Aaron Jones or Leonard Fournette is my RB2, I don't need a third running back this early on. Uh, I can wait a couple rounds, get AJ Dillon, Kareem Hunt, someone like that. Mike Williams is the right answer for me okay. if it's PPR and my flex. Yeah. Um, he, there's weeks where he's going to be my lead receiver. And that's my wide receiver three. I love that. All right. You're on the clock. T. Higgins or DJ Moore? Simple as that. DJ Moore. T. Higgins will have his down weeks. I think DJ Moore elevates with Baker Mayfield there. That's a toss-up for me. It's close. It is. I really like – I think I <laughs> – most preferred T over Jamar Chase. I know I'm going to get shunned for that, but yeah, you will. DJ Moore, I think, with Baker Mayfield, he's already a serviceable receiver. He has been for the past few seasons. 1,100 yards. What is it? Like six touchdowns on average, I think, is what it he averages. Um, I think this year we see those numbers spike even higher, which pushes him into the top 12 and makes him a very good receiver. Okay. Okay. He's had four touchdowns each of the past. Three is it years. four? Okay. Yeah, yeah I get that. Wrong. Four, exactly. All right. Um, so you have two running backs and three receivers. Um, so you're looking for your flex or a quarterback. Do you want <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Adam Thielen, or Gabe Davis? So if I already have three wide receivers, I would like Jalen Hurts here. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Jalen Hurts for me. So you're not looking Just, for any sort of depth at the receiver? No, I don't really care. Um, okay. I feel like I can find plenty of receivers again later in the draft that will finish close to Adam Thielen or Gabe Davis. Neither are two reliable must-haves on my roster. I feel like Jalen Hurts has the upside to be the QB1 overall. I'd rather have a really strong quarterback at this point in the sixth round. I think they're great. Play uh, bench plays. I think they both have potential to finish. Yeah, but honestly, I'm okay with Kadarius Tony being my wide receiver for. Okay. Like I, I can survive with that. I'd rather have a stronger run or quarterback in my lineup. Last one for me. This is a, again a nutshell. Two running backs and backfield committees. Kareem Hunt or Tony Pollard. Um, I'll take Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nick Chubb has shown that he can be injury prone. Uh, Kareem has finished above Nick Chubb even when they're both playing. Um, I think it's an easy pick, Kareem Hunt, especially in an offense where they're not going to have a quarterback capable of throwing downfield this season. Could be an incentive. Yeah, so he could dump down. I like Tony Pollard. Um, I feel like he's going to be used as a receiver in Dallas's offense this year. They practice him there. He played a little bit of receiver at Memphis. He's electric with the ball in his hands. Me personally, I like the upside with Tony Pollard. Okay, my last one, two guys that neither of us are super high on, David Montgomery or Antonio Gibson. David Montgomery, easily. Um, Don't really need to explain a whole lot. He's going to have more consistent volume than Antonio Gibson. And he's better. Yep. Uh, Sorry that the draft strategy, we like strayed a little bit all over the place just because there's so much to cover with deferring league types and formats. We're going to wrap this up. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, at Wagme Fantasy. Visit our website. Subscribe to our newsletter, Winning with Wagme. It's going to give you everything you need to get ready for your draft. And it's also going to keep you ready in, in the season, give you some great waiver wire pickups, start and sit them, trade targets to send or receive, and a couple varying opinion columns that are going to be great. Yes. Ryan Larson helps us write them from rotoballer.com. 
that's going to do it. We'll see you later.